You know the only thing better than watching the game? It's watching the game with your friends. It's game night, so you head to your favorite spot. The game's on all the huge TVs. Several people you know are already there, and they've come for the same reason. It's game night, and the game's on all the huge TVs in the room. A lot of the men are there with their wives. Everyone's having a great time, eating, drinking, laughing, and, of course, yelling at the refs. The bartender's great, too. She seems to know what the regulars want before they even order. Maybe we shouldn't tell anybody about this little jewel in Sayre so it doesn't get too crowded. It'll be our little secret. Ah, why not? Let's risk it. It's the sports bar at what's technically known as the Sayre Golf Course. The locals call it Sayre National. It's in the park on the south side of town, so don't watch the game at home alone tonight. Go where there's food, drinks, and huge TVs. The game's a lot more fun if you'll watch it with friends. Throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Monday morning out there to you, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports live on side over at Sayre National uh, this morning. It's going to be a gorgeous day, a little bit cool out there right now, but by the time the afternoon rolls around, there'll probably be uh, people right out here on this golf course. You might as well be one of them. Uh, the park just south of Sayre, a Sayre Golf Course, a nine-hole track. It's a fun one to play. It's challenging on a lot of holes, having to hit the ball right where you need to and then also we're inside a bunch of big tvs kind of the sports bar atmosphere on one side then a big banquet room for christmas parties or whatever else you want to host uh, we attended i attended a wedding out here uh, not that not that long ago and then uh, saturday night it was a perfect spot to be uh, to watch uh, oklahoma and oklahoma state in the bedlam game which we were it was a good time uh, out here at the sayer golf course we'll continue to tell you all about that as we move along throughout the show Coming up, it's Monday, 9.30. We'll talk to Jim Traber. I know he had some interesting comments after uh, the Bedlam game, especially with regards to one Mike Gundy and his kind of attitude or his, the way he coaches that game uh, that I know that probably made some people mad and probably some other people agreed 100% with what he was saying. So we'll hit him there uh, with that. The NFL from yesterday, man, Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is just amazing, amazing player. He and Travis Kelsey pull another one out of the fire against the Chargers. The stats coming out of that one are just incredible as far as within their division and the way that they're able to get things done. Uh, so we'll go there. Also, of course, high school football as the Big Elks back in the semifinals for the second straight year. Tough opponent coming up on Friday night, uh, but we'll tell you all about that as well. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. 225-9698. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things or whatever else might be on your mind. Feel free to chime in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple of ways to stay in touch with the show. You can log on to kadsam.com. You can download the Paragon app. The app's got it all. Three radio stations. It's got the Penny News, brand new edition of that Penny News. Normally, it hits the website uh, tomorrow night at midnight at thepennynews.com. I think a day early going and picking that up. I think Blake's going tomorrow uh, to pick up the print edition because of the holiday. I believe he might be a day uh, heading up a day early to get that dispersed. We'll verify that, but I think that's right. I heard the, the girls talking about it. I need it. to get him some stories. <laughs> some new stories. Oh, I, I forgot this week is everything's pushed up. Yeah, they may. Uh, I think that they're surprised some, I haven't got a text yet. Uh, yeah. So we got the Penny News. Big Elk TV online Friday night up from Putnam City with the Elks and Cushing can watch that uh, Class 4A semifinal playoff game there. And then after the break, there will be a bunch of basketball really kicking up and getting into high gear uh, with, the, with the high school basketball ramping up completely just a couple of weeks away from the five-county tournament uh, over there in Arapahoe. And then if you miss the show entirely, you can go back and find us on the KADSAM.com or iTunes. Hi, Jared. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm just a little bit, I don't know, stopped up, 
Oh, yeah? Yeah, a little stuffy. But all in all, pretty good. Could be worse. It's going to be a beautiful day, it looks like. Yeah, it does look like it's going to be. I was wondering yesterday, I was just thinking about, well, okay, tomorrow, going back out to Sayre, and I was kind of looking around. I was like, man, today might be even nice enough. Yesterday, maybe a little chill, but you can still swing a club in this. Today, definitely, get out here. Take advantage of days like this, especially in late November, Thanksgiving week. You don't have a lot of opportunities to go golfing. No, um, 58 for a high. That's nothing. Sunny. That's nothing. Yeah, Not that's much nice. wind. Barely any wind right now at all. So, yeah, uh, I think this would be a perfect perfect opportunity right here. In tomorrow as well, 61 tomorrow in sunny skies. Beautiful. So, and if you can't, if you if you're, don't want to brave the, the cool, just come on in here and hang out. Question already on the text line. How are the Bloody Marys at Sarah National? Uh, we wouldn't know. We don't have one right now. Well, actually, we would know. Uh, just not today. Well, have you had one here? Absolutely. Okay. They're delicious. They kind of frown upon drinking on air, so. Yeah, that's not happening right <laughs> not now. Not happening now. But there has been a time. I know the. I bet they're good. Draft beer is uh, special right now. Those were nice and cold. I can I can assure you of that. On Saturday. Were you here, Saturday? Uh, yeah, well, it's where, where we watch. You're here. Okay. Absolutely. It was a good crowd. I bet. A good crowd. A lot of. Was a, it a happy crowd? A lot or of sad. A, a lot of sadness. A lot of sadness from a lot of the crowd here. After that thing. Uh, what a weird game. After that thing got finished up. Was it weird for you? I think I texted you my feeling at one point. Like I'm just ready for OU to screw this up. It started out. I mean, it started like I think a lot of people anticipated, at least on one side, with a lot of offense. Oklahoma was just running up and down the field mm-hmm. for the first quarter. Almost three, 299 of, of total yards, 28 points. I think that was a Bedlam record uh, for the first quarter anyway. And then it was just like everything stopped. And Oklahoma's defense played 102 snaps. Uh, there was a lot, a, a lot of criticism and probably valid of the Oklahoma offense, exactly, especially in the second half, from a from a clock management standpoint, you know, snapping you're up four touchdowns with 28-3 at halftime, and then you're coming out in the second half and you're snapping the ball with 25 seconds left on the play clock in in super hurry mode. I mean, that doesn't, especially when you saw the the struggle that Oklahoma had. I mean, there there was a couple of key drops that. Um, Stopped some drives, but as as sensational as Dylan Gabriel was, Gabriel was in the first quarter. It's kind of as bad as he was. But here's the deal. All in all, if I told anybody that wears the crimson and cream, if you before the game that you'd win twenty eight to thirteen, I think every single person would have went good enough for me. Oh yeah. And so that's the interesting part coming out of it was still the griping and the moaning. About how you know that game went. Listen, when you're five and five, who cares what it looks like in a win? Just, a win's a win, right? It, it is, and bowl eligibility is. Uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma's officially bowl eligible. Could it have done? Could it have looked better? Sure. I mean, it, obviously, in the first quarter, it looked awesome. But uh, at the end of the day, the Oklahoma Sooners do win. The other side is where the criticism is going to be hot and heavy. And then, question right here on the text line: Why does Gundy go into a shell against OU every year? I have no idea. We've, but we've this that we've seen it yeah. throughout his career the yeah. the, the punting on Especially fourth down Norman, from yeah. near you know near the midfield or so kicking those field goals down four touchdowns um, inside the ten yard line it just I don't know why uh, it, it's it's kind of weird too because everyone you, you think of Mike Gundy because of his off the field persona and the and the the mullet and all that sure. that he's more of a, a a riverboat gambler type of coach he's not he is amazingly conservative anyway and then when he gets into this game each and every year almost it just seems like when when you come out of this game the question marks are always on his side now there's been a couple of times where his guys just made unbelievable plays. So thinking back to the Tyreek Hill repunt, you know, the, in 2011, Oklahoma State was just way better than Oklahoma. Like, he, he couldn't even screw that one up. But lately, as, this, as the talent disparity has gotten less, as Oklahoma State's program has clearly risen to the level that it has as, as over the, you know, since he's been there, 
I think you've got to say throughout the entirety of his of his stint in Stillwater, Oklahoma State's the second best program in the Big Twelve, behind Oklahoma. But that gap seems to widen in that game, and there's a bunch of those games throughout this last ten or fifteen years that you feel like Oklahoma State had a had a really good shot to win had Mike Gundy just opened it up the smidge. It's not even a whole bunch, just a little bit. Yep. And each time where people feel like he's got the better team, it's even worse. It's even more pronounced. Just kind of the, the, the shell that Mike Gundy goes into in this game. Yeah, I was convinced that OSU had the better team. And, and I, of course, picked OSU to win this game. But I guess I always fail to realize that Gundy does this in this game. He does this especially in Norman, too. You see a lot of it in Norman outside of the Tyreek uh, game. But it's uh, it's a conundrum. It's a question we'll ask Jim coming up. And, you know, he had some opinions. And we'll oh, yeah. probably get him uh, again. But it 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 it's, it's frustrating if you're an OSU fan. One of the comments I heard was and from an OSU fan was, I'm ready to get this series done. And it wasn't. It was, it was more from the fact of I'm tired of dealing with this every year. This frustration of of the of the conservative play calling in this particular game. Like I'm ready to be done with this game because it's so frustrating for the fans. And I and I don't disagree that that there was the the conservative part. There's no doubt that that would, that happened. But how in the world does your senior quarterback go into that game and throw four picks? Right. Is there a reason why Gundy went that way? Because of the fact that Spencer Sanders was just throwing it to Oklahoma. You think because of the early that, interceptions that it changed his play right. calling to get to protect, you know, to, to avoid more turnovers? Well, I, I see that. And, and I couldn't uh, honestly just watch and thinking, I was thinking, man, what Oklahoma – hasn't been great against the pass, but they've been terrible against the run. Why isn't Oklahoma State trying to run it more, especially with Sanders? And that may go back to a health issue. You know, he he could play, but we're worried about getting him, getting him banged up. Right, I didn't want him to get hit. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but all in all, and, and Coach Maynard just said it, he goes into that game, coaching the game not to lose instead of coaching the game right. to win. And that's that that is that's it in a nutshell. That's it. You can't say it any – more specific than that. Now on the other side, Oklahoma's defense. Where did that line? Where did the the rush come from? Where did the pressure come from? Though we haven't seen that dating back maybe to the Nebraska game. Six sacks, thirteen tackles for lost. Uh, quarterback hurries, uh, twelve of them broke up seven passes, and then the four interception. I mean, there were two. I know downs early on might have had a pick six. If he could have held onto that one over right over the middle of the field, Stutzman pretty well dropped another one that should. I mean, it could have been six very, very easily. Yeah. With, I mean, without much uh, playmaking ability on the OU side. So that defense, kudos to, to to Venables and Ted Roof and everybody else on that defensive staff because Oklahoma hasn't played in a hundred and two snaps, mind you. They played that way, just to, by far, in my opinion, the best performance we saw out of Oklahoma's defense all year long. Billy Bowman looked like what you hoped Billy Bowman would look like coming yeah, in as a true freshman. I mean, he, he looked like as good a safety as there is in the league. And that's, uh, you know, you see he, he, his injury isn't making the difference in some of those early losses, but you also see how vital he is to have out there because that dude is, is a different level of player, especially in the secondary, than Oklahoma's been used to having here lately. Was he, it, he's absolutely a stud. In – for me, obviously, an OU fan, it was for me. I'll ask you, was it frustrating to watch that and go, where's that been all year? No. Or is it Or is it frustrating, like, it shouldn't have to take your rival coming to town, your back's against the wall, you got two games to win, one to, to be bowl eligible. You shouldn't have to take all of that to play like that. Uh, I, th I just think there were some advantages. Oklahoma State's offensive line was beat up big time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it wasn't the greatest offensive line anyhow. And we talked about it on Friday, the, the, the disadvantage that Oklahoma has had defensively all year, OSU wasn't really equipped to take advantage of outside of, Sp of Spencer Sanders running the football. OSU's had trouble all year long just turning around, handing it to a guy, making some yards. We saw it clear back to the very first game right. where, where Sanders has to come back in 
because they they can't just manage the clock and run the football. Right. So that's, that's true. That that was one big disadvantage uh, or that Oklahoma State wasn't able to take take advantage of is the the poorest run defense for OU. I'm surprised still though that they didn't make more of an effort, especially with Sanders. I just it, that's it's, once he starts throwing it around to the wrong team. I'm looking at it going, okay, here you come, here you know, here come those you know quarterback runs, and here work things off of that, and it just never, never seemed to to happen, or never seemed to kind of just a real concerted effort uh, to do that. So, uh, but Oklahoma, a, a, a good win, and you know, sometimes Vegas is right, and everyone, as soon as you looked at that line this time last week, the first question is what. Who? <laughs> Oklahoma's favored I, I by know. a touched what? Somebody knew something. What in the world? And sure enough, it, it becomes uh, that's the way the game turned out. So uh, Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State. We'll have more to say about that yeah. uh, tomorrow. And, of course, Jim, I'm sure. I got a question for we'll Jim. pick it apart as well. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, it's a big elk football. Uh, the Elk City Elks on Friday night punched their ticket into the state semifinals with a win over Hilldale. And now the task becomes uh, the one that, Everyone's been looking forward to. It's number one versus number two, Elk City versus Cushing, a rematch of last year. Uh, this is the Skinny at Spawn Sports 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Christmas parties can be so much fun if you have them at the right place. Where's your company Christmas party this year? Or your family Christmas party for that matter? It ought to be at the same place where folks have been having birthday parties, weddings, baby showers, even Thanksgiving dinner at the Banquet Room at the Sayre Golf Course. It's a really nice facility, and it's reasonably priced. If you need a nice place for a nice event, use the Sayre Golf Course Banquet Room. Four. Now to the actual golf part of the Sayre Golf Course. There's still time to get 9 or 18 holes in. The question is, can you actually find the fairway? Swinging away and just hoping for the best leads to triple-digit scores. If you want to test your ability to make golf shots, come over to Sayre. The layout of this course requires precision. Do you have that club, that secret weapon in your bag? It's technically called the Sayre Golf Course. Locals just call it Sayre National. It's in the city park on the south side of town. The Skinny on Sports. Yeah! Coming on, yeah! Welcome back, Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Hanging out here at Sayre National, Sayre Golf Course. The big TV is showing a replay of North Carolina spitting the bid against Georgia Tech on Saturday night. Is Pat Mahomes the best player in the NFL on Get Up? That's too much time last night, Chargers, too much time. Or is Kelsey the best tight end? Ever. <laughs> the question there is ever. Yeah. Dude That's went off, we're... saved him. Monday night football tonight in Mexico City with uh, San Francisco and Arizona. If you're looking for a place to come watch it, right here is a perfect spot. Sports bar right here inside the Sayre National Clubhouse. Also, Christmas parties, they're all about to start. I know we got our date set the other day. Right. Uh, this back room, it's awesome for that. Uh, you can host a, a party of probably up to, I don't know, 80, 100 people. Be my guest somewhere in there, just with the golf tournaments I've been involved in over here. Plenty so. of room for, uh, you know, fantasy football drafts. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. We've had that as well here. Or any kind of fantasy draft. Here you got to start thinking if you're a baseball guy. Start watching the winter meetings, see what happens. Here comes Matt Riggs, superintendent. He's coming in. No, he's not. Oh, locked him out. <laughs> Sorry about your luck, Matt. Anyway, we're hanging oh, out here good. for uh, this week, next week, for sure, uh, at the Sayre Golf Course. Matt looks cold as he comes in. All right, Big Elks last night or last Friday night. Yep. Weird game again. It it felt like Elk City had a chance to really blow that thing open in the first half. Uh, golly, the whole, the whole first quarter and a half was spent in the Hilldale side of the field. Led sixteen six at halftime. Uh, were able to. Um, I thought the drive of the game. After Hildo made it fourteen to twelve or sixteen to fourteen, excuse me, short kickoff. Jaden Wynn was was paying attention. I think that was one of those. Hildo trying to kind of squib it off a guy in the front line if they weren't watching. Yeah, but Jaden was right there, forty nine yard line, and then the Elks thirteen plays, fifty one yards, all on the ground. 
couple of huge conversions, one on fourth and four from Cooper Garbarino on that little trap play. Then they ran the same play on third and six that got down inside the five-yard line. Austin Jones sneaks it in with 3.27 left on the clock, and Oak City at that point took a 24-14 lead that they'd end up winning the game 24-20. I thought the offensive line, first off, Hildell was absolutely as good a defensive line and the physicality they played with on both sides of the ball up front was something that the Elks haven't seen in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe even clear back to, say, Carl Albert, uh, the way that those guys battled inside. But when Elk City absolutely needed a drive, when things kind of felt like it was going south, right, and after after, uh, Hildell was able to make it 16-14, everything kind of was feeling like it was slipping away. And uh, Coach Maynard and, and that offense just leaned on those big guys up front, and they got the job done. Yeah, kudos to them. And, and that was a, a big test outside of the Carl Albert game. And you can almost throw that away because it wasn't a district game and everything. But this one mattered, and they, they rose up to the test when it came to that, that interior play on the offensive and d- defensive line. And it was one of those rough-and-tough, scratch-and-claw type of games. And, and again – to me, personally, it felt like kind of like last week against Newcastle where the momentum started early with the, the turnover, turned it into a score, got the uh, two-point conversion, did the same thing. It, to me, it felt like Elk City always had control of that game despite the, the closeness of it. Uh, kind of the same way it felt about Newcastle. You know, the bend-don't-break defense, the offense that rose up when it mattered, it was a Great night for Big Oak football, and, and now on to the next one. Yeah, the next one will be number one, Cushing. So number one, number two, it's been a, a, a consistent question I've had since Friday night. Why are they on the Why is it number one versus number two in the semifinals? Well, in, in, in football, there's not an official ranking. All the, playoff, all the playoff stuff is determined by the district that you're in, and then that bracket is drawn up without any names on it. You know, it just, it's just the way it's set in there. And so, you know, in, in, in hoops, obviously, those, those official OSSAA rankings are how the bracket is then drawn up. That doesn't happen in football. The football, you, you, you know, the top four in each district go. They seed them one through four. They're, they're put into that bracket without, you know, the, just in, that, in the position of district one champ versus whatever, as opposed to the names or even the rankings. Just, there just isn't an official ranking by which the bracket is drawn up. The, know, so it's just kind of luck of the, of it's, a, it's a luck of the yeah, draw. Deal. I mean, we'll probably dive into this later, but should there be? Or, or you, do you like the way it works now? Well, how else are you going to do it? Are, are you, are you going to – the thing about this, the way it's done now, is results on the field determine if you're in the playoffs or not. Right. As opposed to some coach in eastern Oklahoma voting yeah. uh, on, on how it goes, right? I mean, it's just, it just so happens that this is the way – that the that the cookie crumbled. Now, if you look at the Oklahomans' ranking, it's not no, it's not one and two. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This but in the last AP, the Tulsa World, it is. Right. Um, and we'll we'll get into this matchup a whole bunch more as we dive in. But I can tell you right now, Cushing has been as dominant a force as there's been outside of Bixby in the entire state of Oklahoma this year. Yes. Five hundred ninety-seven to one hundred six, I believe, was their uh, regular season score differential. So that that, that equates to sixty to ten. Yeah, they, Forty-eight nothing against uh, Broken Bow. Forty-one to seven the other night over Blanchard. This team, and it's not just offense. I mean, they're doing an offense, defense, special teams. I think they had two return, two punt return touchdowns against Blanchard by yeah. Camden Crooks. And uh, you know, it's it's essentially the exact same team the Elks saw a year ago in the first round, and that was uh, a heck of a battle that night at Cushing. So uh, there's a lot that goes into this. There's a lot about this uh, that's, that's maybe a like for the Elks, the, the rain possibility, the weather to kind of slow those guys down through the air or what have you. But If Drew's listening, he just went, rain. Oh, no. Oh, maybe no. we're inside. Uh, but anyhow, <laughs> no, it's, it, it's going to be a, a heck of a challenge uh, for the Elks coming up on Friday night. But when you get into the semifinals, you're expecting it to be a challenge. You're expecting it to be a really good team each and every time. So uh, congrats to Coach Maynard and the guys. Second consecutive semifinal appearance. Um, first time that's happened since 97 and 98. And uh, it, it'll, it's going to be an interesting contrast of styles coming up it is. with Cushing versus Elk City on Friday. All right, let's step aside. When we come back, we will have the ultimate Jim Traber coming up, talk about Bedlam, talk about 
Uh, some NFL things. I wonder if you'll be watching World Cup soccer as it's on already. One o'clock for the U.S. Uh, this afternoon against Wales. Lots to discuss with the ultimate coming up next. 98.1 FM, the Sports Ten. You know the only thing better than watching the game? It's watching the game with your friends. It's game night, so you head to your favorite spot. The game's on all the huge TVs. Several people you know are already there, and they've come for the same reason. It's game night, and the game's on all the huge TVs in the room. A lot of the men are there with their wives. Everyone's having a great time, eating, drinking, laughing, and, of course, yelling at the refs. The bartender's great, too. She seems to know what the regulars want before they even order. Maybe we shouldn't tell anybody about this little jewel in Sayre so it doesn't get too crowded. It'll be our little secret. Ah, why not? Let's risk it. It's the sports bar at what's technically known as the Sayre Golf Course. The locals call it Sayre National. It's in the park on the south side of town, so don't watch the game at home alone tonight. Go where there's food, drinks, and huge TVs. The game's a lot more fun if you'll watch it with friends. The Skinny on Sports. Fuck! Yeah! Ing! Yeah! Welcome back. I'm trying not to sneeze. Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Hanging out at uh, Sayre National, as the locals call it, Sayre Golf Course. Awesome place to come watch the games where I was on Saturday night, hanging out watching Bedlam with a bunch of people. Uh, some were happy, some were pretty sad at the end of it. But it's a great spot for that. It's a great spot for your Christmas party. And by the way, this afternoon it's going to be nice. Come out and play nine holes or maybe even get 18 in if you can right here at the Sarah Golf Course. Joining us now is the voice that you'll hear at 2 o'clock right here, right here on these airwaves. It is the ultimate Jim Traber. Jim, how are you? I'm good, fellas. Guys, uh, you guys uh, don't sound as loud as you do, but that's okay. I can hear. And did you guys get a bunch of snow last week? Yeah, about seven inches uh, of snow wow. that, in that one day. It's all melted off, but for the first time in a while, it was a wet snow. So it, it ends up maybe even helping out everybody around here farming-wise to get some good moisture as opposed to it just kind of blowing around. So it was, a, it was a different snow than I can really even remember seeing. Just big old flakes. The wind wasn't blowing. It was actually kind of pretty, and it stayed. Um, it stayed around for most of last week, but it's all gone now. So waiting on the next one. Yeah, we bear, we got a bunch of snow, but it didn't stick. So I was, uh, and I knew you guys were getting a bunch out there. So that sounds like that's the kind where you can throw snowballs at people. <laughs> that's exactly right. I think I think everybody kind of got a chance to do that. I know uh, we had when I got home Monday after it was kind of tapering off. There was shoes and some jeans over the the what do you call it the vents the vents yeah trying to dry them off and yeah, dry Wyatt's clothes off as he was out there hanging out in it uh, all right cool. Jim let's go straight to what happened on Saturday night in Norman in Norman a bedlam game Oklahoma gets out to the incredible start at 28 nothing then the offense goes dormant but as we see too often for OSU's fan taste in this game once again Mike Gundy making choices that seem way too conservative Kicking field goals inside the 10-yard line, not going for fourth and downs around midfield. Oklahoma wins 28-13, but coming out of it, I think the, the major question is, what happens in this game to Mike Gundy on that sideline? Well, you're going to have to ask him that because it's pathetic uh, when he gets in this game. And frankly, uh, between him and Spencer Sanders, when they're in a big game, it doesn't go real well. I mean, you go back to this game, reminds me so much of the Baylor uh, championship game. I mean, it didn't all happen right away, but somehow they get, they just don't play well early. And then the rest of the game, they do play well and they don't, they don't win the game. I just thought his decisions were par for the course. That's what he does. If I'm an OSU fan, I'm so disgusted uh, in, in the way he, uh, in the way he does things in that game. Uh, but you got to give OU credit. They did come out and play some incredible football. And uh, it was just thorough domination. And, you know, you think about it, if they, if OSU just gets it together a little bit, it scores early or, or stops one of those touchdowns, I mean, we got a really serious football game. It, 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 some people think it turned into a good game, but, I mean, it, I mean it, you might have thought to yourself, oh, if they score, it can get different. But they, that was never really a game. Um, OSU did a really nice job of stopping them for the last three quarters, but 
I think that uh, I think that was kind of uh, oh, I don't know fool's gold to tell you the truth. And then and then you you look at OU and you look at Jeff Levy and Brent Venables. I don't know what the heck they're doing. You know, towards the end of the game, I got no. I, I, don't, I don't. I've never seen a football game where you've got so many people that know so much about football that can't figure out what the heck to do in situations. The situation of football in that game was horrible. I mean, just terrible. And some will say, well, Jim, you're not down on the sideline. You're right. And if I was being paid millions of dollars, I would hope that I could figure out what the heck's going on around. So I, I've said it before. You guys have probably heard me say it. I think Brent Venables needs to sit down for a nice long time with Bob Stoops and start talking about some of the ways that you cope. Forget about the X's and the O's and, and you know, playing defense against somebody, playing offense, you got to figure out what's going on around you as far as the clock is concerned. And, and it was just crazy. It was just crazy what they were doing. They, they were going fast and they throwing the ball. I mean, I just it was ridiculous. So I thought, um, I thought both coaches had some, some problems in that game. But, of course, Mike Gundy always has problems in that game. And I don't know if he, I don't know if he cares. I, I mean, I really don't. I mean, he... I wonder if he gets home at night and says, God, for something happens to me during the Bedlam game. Because that's the truth. Something happens to him during the Bedlam game where he becomes a totally different coach. And, uh, you know, that's – it's sad. Like I said, if I'm going to know what you can, I'm thoroughly disgusted watching it. How much do you think, or, or if any, and it's hard to say that this played a major role because we've seen it before – from Mike Gundy, but those early interceptions from Sanders, how much do you think that might have even played into it, making making his decision-making a little worse and a little bit more conservative uh, versus maybe what they had in mind in the game plan going in? No, I mean, that's nice to say, but it's, it, I don't care. That doesn't bother me. I mean, it, if your quarterback makes mistakes, you get him out of the game or you keep doing what you want to do. I mean, it's that simple. So I, I – if, if there was any excuse, if anybody makes that excuse to me, it's lame. And I'm not saying you are, yeah. or you are lame. I'm not saying either <laughs> one. But I think that that's a ridiculous, uh, I really do. I think that's a ridiculous uh, excuse. You go into a game, you have a game plan, you believe what's going to work, and then you keep on doing it no matter what happens. I mean, unless suddenly the defense changes or something. But... Um, yeah, you you got to you got to go for things. You got to take chances. Meanwhile, what's uh, what's Brent Venables doing? He's throwing a, a backward pass on a on a, on a kickoff. You know, he's doing things. And good old uh, Mike Gundy's not. So I don't know, man. I, again, Mike Gundy's the best coach in the history of school. But when it comes to the Bedlam game, he's a terrible coach. I, I mean, that's all I can say. He's a terrible coach in the Bedlam game. The only time he wins is when his players win the game. He never really does anything in that game to put them over the top. It's just the way it is. It's crazy. OSU has felt like they've always been right there and then something happens. In this case, this season it was like Kansas State and then boom everything else kind of implodes. Kansas, now Bedlam, TCU. And I kind of, and speaking of TCU, it's, it's hard for me to fathom OSU making a change at the head coaching position. But TCU did it last year, and look what's happening now. Do you think something like that could, can uh, happen in Stillwater? No, no chance. I mean, he's there until he quits or until he takes another job or maybe until he fakes take another job. <laughs> I don't know which one it's going to be. But, um, no, he's not. He, there, there's no way he's going anywhere. You remember something now, Patterson he was going, what was it, five and seven last year? I think the last couple of years before that, they were average. So, no, I, I don't think, I don't think that would happen. Um, but if you, if you, if it was just, if it just had to do with the Bedlam game, he'd have been fired a long time ago. Because he's just terrible in that game. Just terrible. I, it's hard to believe. I mean, I'm sitting there with Al Espec. And I looked at Al and I said, I can. I said, bag on. It's, is it a bedlam game? Yeah, he's going to do stuff just like this, like he always does. He never had a problem with Texas. <laughs> it's it, it's weird. It's I think it's a passion thing. Like he grew up in this state. He it's always been a rivalry. He spoke about that before the game. How he, I was never friends with these guys when I played at OSU, et cetera. 
And I just think he's, it's a passion thing for him, and, and there's a pressure that mounts on him. Why is he puked down his leg? I mean, that's yeah. just ridiculous. You should be doing those things that Venables did with the throwback pass and, and the, this fun stuff like that to try to get an edge. Do something. I mean, I, yeah, it just – that he had to try to do something to stop that, that onslaught in the first quarter, and they just stood there and did nothing. They just did normally what they do. And, and you know, when it's 28 nothing. I will give credit. I mean, you know, it's they're kind of like the Thunder. I mean, they didn't give up. You know, they could have been beat. I mean, I, you'd have thought at twenty-eight nothing, the final score of that game was going to be sixty-three to two. You know, um, but um, it it was uh, it, it's just amazing. I don't know why. I don't know why I continue to believe that maybe it'll be different, but it's never different. Never different. You know, I didn't talk a lot about it last week, really. And then I brought it up on the pregame show to Al, and we talked about it. And I said, you know, he, he does it every day going game. And there he was again, doing it again, just like he always does. So I don't know. I, I mean, look, I don't, I don't care who wins and loses. But I'll tell you what, if I'm an OSU fan, I, I, I would be sick of watching it. Sick of watching it. We're hanging out with uh, Jim Traber here on a Monday. Let's uh, shift the focus uh, to uh, and is this the most or uh, the least kind of excitement or the least amount of talk you have heard uh, uh, centering around the Heisman Trophy race? I, ca- I cannot remember a less enthusiastic Heisman race than the one that is going on right now. I have a feeling, Jim, after what happened late Saturday night out in Pasadena, what's possible to happen this Saturday against Notre Dame and then in the Pac-12 championship game. I have a feeling there's going to be a whole bunch of people that end up sick to their stomachs watching the Heisman Trophy ceremony because I think Caleb Williams is going to end up being the winner. Um, I think if Stroud, they, if they beat Michigan and they win their championship game, I think Stroud will get it. But you're right. I mean, Caleb Williams throws for 502 yards and, um, and if they beat Notre Dame and then they beat whoever Oregon, that that would be uh, that'd be an impressive little run. But I I still think that Stroud is probably the guy. Got to remember something, Skinny. There's people that didn't even watch that Saturday. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, they might have got up and read about it, but they didn't watch it. So I um uh, I don't know, man. I uh, I. I First of all, the Heisman to me has always been ridiculously overrated. We talked so much about it because, oh, you always had a quarterback that was involved. That's probably one of the reasons why people aren't talking more about it around here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Caleb Williams is a great player. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Like it or not, that's what he is. He's a great football player. Uh, but I think unless Stroud pulls apart and they lose to Michigan or something, I think Stroud probably gets it. And I think uh, – I think Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame. Notre Dame playing great. USC better play good football because Notre Dame is playing really good right now. After this weekend and, and the results that we saw, are we down to USC, TCU, Georgia, and whoever wins uh, Michigan, Ohio State? If those teams run the table, or is there a way that you could see? This weekend's game being just a classic between Ohio State and Michigan, and even the loser might be able to to squeeze USC out of there. I don't know. If, if, if your scenario happens and they all win, then USC's going to get in. I mean, I, you know, people may not like to hear that, but USC is a big brand. USC is the type of brand that OU is. You know, so if they uh, if they run through this little gauntlet here at the end, then I think they'll definitely get in. Um, and then, yeah, winner of you know, don't don't count Clemson out. Yeah, I mean Clemson. You know, I know that we don't think that Clemson's that good, but Clemson has a much bigger uh, name right now than USC does. You know, Clemson has done a whole bunch more than them. So Clemson, if it comes down to Clemson and uh, and Notre Dame, I mean, excuse me, and uh, USC, you know, they'll go common opponents against USC beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame smoked Clemson. That probably hurts them as far as the, uh, you know, the, the schedules are concerned. But if USC loses, then I think Clemson will get in. So, but yeah, USC's. I mean, they put themselves right there, like it or not. Is TCU fake good? 
They keep eking out wins, and they're undefeated. Are, are they? Is this is this a team we want in the playoff? Oh, I don't know. I mean, if you're like Barry Trammell and you're like you're following, you want the Big Twelve to get in, then you want them in. I I just don't think. I mean, I I don't know if they're fake good, but I just don't think they're good enough. Like if they, it looks as if it's going to be hard for them to be the four seed. Mm-hmm. But if they were the four seed, I think Georgia. Well, first of all, Georgia would be favored by twenty points, maybe maybe 17, but a lot. And I think Georgia, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know if you could score on Georgia. And and I love Duggan and I love what they're doing, but I just don't think they're in that category. Now, I will say this, I don't know if anybody in the country is going to score on Georgia and beat them. But you got to give them credit, man. They're winning games. They come back and win games. I thought Dave Aranda, I don't know what the heck he was doing. Why? Why is it that people just go into shells like that? I mean, my gosh! Just and you know, and Al was yelling at me on Saturday about how he had a guy open. You know, if uh, if Shapen throws it to him, they get the first down. But I just don't know why you got to run the ball right up the middle, man. How about you pitch it to the running back or do something different? It's just crazy the way coaches do that. Um, but they gave uh, TC the chance, and they they. They just perfectly executed it with running on the field and everything was perfect. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've seen a college team execute down the at the end there like that because when when they handed the ball off with 22 seconds, I thought, what are they doing? Me too. This is not gonna. What, this isn't the pros. And I'll be darned if they didn't run everybody off. Run every the last guy was a kicker. I was like, does he know he's supposed to be? Yeah, they were all set. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and then was, he finally got there and yeah. just right through. That that was an amazing job by. Uh, Sonny Dykes' team to, to, to execute that into-game situation so perfectly. Well, all, almost every team works on that. I mm-hmm. mean, if you have to do it. But Sonny Dykes said they do it every Thursday, and it worked out perfectly, and he said it wasn't as hectic as we thought, you know? So uh, it, it was a beautiful thing. It worked out perfectly. You'd think that one of the people would be like, you know, maybe not set or something. Right. They were perfect. Yeah, it they was were perfect. Was Look a- at it again. Everybody was perfectly set. And uh, it worked out. So it was very impressive. Very impressive. So uh, after yesterday, I, do we need to start fitting, fitting Jerry Jones and the Cowboys for a Super Bowl ring? Of course. It's over. <laughs> it's over. They are the best team in the world. Those Cowboys. That was, that was a thorough domination. There's no doubt about it. Minnesota had been playing well, but they won seven in a row. You go up on the road and beat them like that, that was an impressive win. Now, I, I just want to – find out what happened the week before, you know? I mean, the Cowboys are up and down and up and down. But um, there's there's no doubt that uh, the Cowboys, when they play like that, they can play with everybody, you know? The question is, are they going to play like that? And I got to tell you, I don't know, but if I was a Dallas Cowboy fan, I would just, I'd be so happy on the day that they say, see you later, Ezekiel Elliott. Because Pollard is a star. And every time they hand the ball off or give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott, they're wasting an opportunity for someone to make a big play. And I know, would Elliott have two touchdowns yesterday? I yeah. Think? yeah, two touchdowns. Were they one, both one-yard runs? I yeah. think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect for him. They should turn him into the one-yard run guy. Because Pollard is a great player. So, it's uh, – yeah, I mean, it was a great win. I mean, a great win. You know, now let's see if they can follow it up Thursday with a win against the Giants and play well again. Can they continue to play well? Because every time you Cowboy fans get all fired up, they they uh, they they show you something that is different. So, well, but it was a good win, very good win, and they look great. Makes you think the Green Bay game was a wake up call. Like they're going to put their foot on the throat and not let up against a really solid Minnesota team, or we think was a solid Minnesota team. What else caught your eye in the league yesterday? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, that comes from a Dallas Cowboy fan who was hoping that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> You're hoping. You weren't on Monday last week. You should have heard what I was saying. Yeah. Jared was ready to fire everybody. He's, he's back <laughs> yeah, on the. Well, he's back on board. <laughs> yeah, now he loves them all again. Yeah. <laughs> Love the Cowboys. Um. I'll tell you what, that was a great game last night, wasn't it? Chargers yes. and uh, Chiefs, man. That was a tremendous game, man. Mahomes is amazing. I think you could give him seven seconds and 50 yards to go and he would get it done. The guy is amazing. Uh, I've never seen him like it. You can't, I mean, how much is too much, you know, too little of time? I was sitting on my couch and I was saying, Sandy, you know, Chargers, mm-hmm. run the ball up the middle and make the clock run, okay? Make the clock run. And, of course, they uh, they didn't do it. 
gave him too much time, and boom, 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 touchdown. So amazing stuff. I thought, you know, I uh, I know that the Steelers aren't any good, but I still believe that uh, I, I, I really kind of like picking Pickett. I know that, you know, he makes some bad decisions sometimes, throws some bad balls, but I think I really like him, and I love the Pickens kid. So I think that the Steelers are uh, – they're not very good right now, but I think they got a chance to be fairly good soon. And, uh, you know, the Bills uh, Bills look good again. So everybody thought the Bills were done, so that was a nice win. Well, impressive and, they won because uh, they actually got there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You know, I mean, when did they get off the plane and, and do – I mean, that's pretty impressive. I know. I don't know why. I don't know why they didn't stay. Why they? Why they go back to Buffalo? They went back. I mean, they should have just. Everybody should have taken their your families and all gone to Detroit. I mean, it's better to. Not that you're excited about spending Thanksgiving in Detroit, but I mean, with the way uh, that's with the way that that snow is just absurd. So, but um, I don't know. I I think the Texans have solidified themselves as they're probably going to be the number worst team in the league. And uh, we'll, they'll get one of those quarterbacks. So things are starting to shape up a little bit. We'll go back to Mahomes right quick. The, the numbers coming out of that game are, are just absurd. Like, they don't even make sense. He, he's never lost a division road game uh, in his time of being the quarterback of the Chiefs. He's, they're 25 straight in November and December now. And, and it, it seems like I think every single game between him and Herbert – has been a one-score game, and every single game seems to go exactly like that. But with Kansas City making the play uh, to be able to win the game, just uh, how how hard is that to maintain that level of success in a league that all the rules try to make parity happen each and every year? Yeah, I mean, it was just a. Uh he, he, those, those stats, when they, when they heard they had never lost a game in November and December, I was like, wow. I mean, that's just beyond belief. And you can't blame Herbert, like I said. I mean, if that, that little coach for the Chargers, I can't stand that dude. Um, I don't like looking at him and I don't like watching him. I don't like any part of him. But he, uh, he, he messed up. I'm being serious when I say that. People, some people will say, well, Jim, you got to score. Sure, you got to score. I think it's more important. What I'm saying to you is, is that I would rather kick a field goal and go to overtime than give Mahomes a minute or around a minute to have the game in his hands. Does that make any sense? I'm serious. Mm-hmm. I would rather, I would rather go to fourth down, kick a field goal with five seconds to go, and go to overtime on my home field than I would. Now, some will say, Jim. If you get the coin toss, they'll go down and score. No, they might. But if you get the coin toss, you can go score too. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, man. This is what I think. 50-50 to get the coin toss. I think it's 80-20 that they're going to score. Right? I mean, that's about They're going to score. So I just think it's a major mistake when you give him time. And uh, Herbert did what he had to do. I just think that he had to say, we're going to take some time off this clock. And um, they didn't do it, and they lost, right? It was simple. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like the end-of-game situations with Brady and Manning back a few years ago where it, it, you, you have to play differently. It has to be com- uh, totally unconventional because you're right. They, they had a better chance with flipping the coin in overtime than they did doing what they did. Because everybody in the stadium, as soon as the Chargers scored that touchdown, looked up at the clock, went, oh, my gosh, Andy's got two timeouts. It's, there's no way they're stopping them. No. You're right. That's, uh, you you got to think about that kind of stuff. I'm serious. These coaches, when you're playing against Mahomes, you need to start thinking, okay, what's the best scenario for me? What can I do to not have Mahomes have the game in his hands? You got to start thinking that way. And is it taking a chance? Yeah, it is taking a chance, but I think it's more of a chance if you give him the ball. So, you know, I, I don't think a coach would ever do what I'm saying, but I think it's time to. I really do. And that dude, that dude is like the analytical king out there. Mm-hmm. Why are our coaches starting to look like nerds? I don't understand. <laughs> Have you noticed that? <laughs> the dude down in Miami, this guy. I mean, are we, are we, we're hiring like uh, nuclear scientists now. I mean, it's just 
I think this uh, whole thing with analytics is getting a little bit out of hand. What happened to the old, big old football-looking guy? How about Andy Reid? Now, <laughs> that's a big old boy there, you know? Yeah, it's a whole bunch of computer programmers <laughs> with the little dorky glasses exactly. on the sideline yeah. now. It's either that yeah. or it's either that or the Sean McVay, Lincoln Riley look uh, with the little half beard and the, the oh, short yeah. hair. There's it's, a bunch of them. That's <laughs> about all there is. A bunch of them. Dude, Green Bay, they all look that way. Uh-huh. I'm sorry I brought up Green Bay, Jared. I apologize. <laughs> I'm, over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. Hey, do you have any – I know you're, you're a patriotic guy, and a lot of times these things roll around every few years and you get involved. Do you have any interest in – in World Cup soccer starting today for the U.S.? I mean, I want them to win. I mean, I want the U.S. to do well, but I'm not going to uh, – I'm probably not going to sit there and watch it. Um, I mean, look, I'm, if it's on, I'll watch some of it, but I'm not – I know – I believe the game starts at 1 o'clock, and I'm not sitting here, you know, setting my calendar around it. So – but I'd like to see them – I'd like to see them do well. I mean, it's just nice that they got there, you know. My gosh, it's embarrassing them. You know, the most impressive country in the world, and we can't even make it to the World Cup. But that was my prediction about 30 years ago or 25 years ago. I told everybody, you know, when the World Cup was here in the United States, Mark Rogers and everybody was telling me, oh, this is going to take off. You're not going to believe it. And uh, it didn't. So, And it's never going to take off here. It's not. I mean, it, it can get bigger, but it's not going to be like the big thing that it is in other countries. But yeah, I'm, listen, I'm 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 for him to win. I want him to win. Go USA. Well, I know you, I know you're excited about Thanksgiving. What do you, what do you got planned yeah. for Thursday? <clears throat> oh man, I'm so fired up. Uh, I uh, yeah, I'm gonna do my turkey like I do. I wake up early in the morning on uh, Thursday, and what well, starts on Wednesday night when I'm done with my show, I, I I cook I cook one turkey. I make my stuffing, and then I cook one turkey that is just for sandwiches. And then wake up Thursday morning and get the turkey going early and, and get it in there with my cheesecloth on it and uh, baste it all day and then get ready to eat. Boy, it sounds good. I'm hungry. It sounds good right now. <laughs> Do you work Friday? Always work Friday. Always work on Friday because there's so much football going on that we we get after it on the sports animal. But, yes, we're working on Friday and uh, – It'll be uh, getting ready for the last football game of the year, at least, you know, regular season for OU and OSU. Crazy. What is the the advantage of the cheesecloth on there, on your turkey? Oh, it makes it so juicy you'd lose your mind, Skinny. My turkey is so good. The cheesecloth keeps in the juices. Okay. And then when you baste it, it goes through the cheesecloth and into the turkey, and then it stays in the turkey. So it is... The cheesecloth is an amazing thing. Well, if you have leftovers, bring it on over to Putnam City. That's where we'll be. <laughs> yeah, Friday. <laughs> Friday night. The Big Elks in the semifinals. Yeah, who are you guys playing? Cushing. <clears throat> oh, they're good. Yeah, they're they, good. Mark Rogers says they're going to win it. They, he's, I'm afraid he's probably right, but uh, you can't get a chance to beat them if you're not in that game. So uh, the Elks are in there in the semifinals two years in a row. That hadn't happened in 25 years around here, so it's – it's exciting. I know that. I can't wait to see. How many people? Will, how, how many people from Elk City will roll over to Putnam City? Uh, a lot. <sighs> yeah, I wonder how big that's. Thousand, two thousand, four thousand. Somewhere between, yeah, two, three, four thousand. Wow. And then we. Now, we'll, did they get like a caravan of buses and stuff? Or? Uh, there will be there, there'll be like a, a bus for the band and a bus for uh, yeah, some students. There'll probably be a convoy, but I don't know about rolling out of here at two o'clock. I, I just know. got that two, two o'clock. Two send o'clock off. send off from go downtown or go through the middle of town on the way out. Uh, what, with the buses. what time's the game? Seven o'clock. Seven, All right. Seven well, good luck to the Elks. Night. It's been a great year. It has it's a been a great year for the Elks. No doubt, no doubt about it. All right, Jim. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, have a have a good show at two o'clock. Whoa, wait, wait. What is on the podcast this week? It, it's a it's a lot about Thanksgiving, and it's really about food. Yes, it's 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 a podcast that I've wanted to do for oh gosh, a couple months. And Julie was like, "What? How are we gonna do a podcast about food?" So we did. We did about how I'm sure you guys, you and your wives, had different things that you ate, you know, mm-hmm. and 
it's really different for Julie and I because she's from up there in the Northeast. So, and you know, Julie never had like real Italian food or seafood. I mean, I turned her on to all that stuff. So it is, uh, it, it's a really good one. I think you guys will like it. And we talk about Thanksgiving and stuff and what we're thankful for. So it's a really good one. The Julie and Jim Traver podcast. You need to go check it out. So last Thanksgiving question, then we'll let you go. What is your perfect plate? Like the first time through with the, the whatever it is, the sides oh, and all first, that. My first, my skinny, my first time through is my second time through. It's exactly the same. <laughs> okay. It's turkey, stuffing, mashed taters, and a bunch of gravy. And then I go back and get a little bit of turkey, more stuffing, little bit of mashed potatoes, and more gravy. That's what I do. Nothing green touches my plate. Matter of fact, nothing green comes near my plate. Matter of fact, I try not to look at anything green. That's it, man. That's what I do. And then late at night, I usually have a turkey sandwich on white bread, which my wife never gets, except at this time, uh, and with uh, Miracle Whip with salt and pepper. And then, and then the next day, I'll have stuffing again. That's, uh, that's it. My, uh, my, uh, my, my Thanksgiving regiment. Dessert? And I'm the first through the line, too, fellas. I don't oh. care. Get the heck out of the way. I'll bust <laughs> you down. Like George Costanza running away from the fire. Yeah. Get out of my way. Uh, that's hilarious. I can actually see it uh, in my mind playing out that way. Hi, Jim. After my father-in-law says the prayer, I like, I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I don't wait for people. <laughs> Matter of fact, I usually finish my plate by the time Julie sits down. <laughs> oh that's hilarious all right man have a great day uh, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you later all right fellas see you guys the ultimate jim traver i i've seen that cheesecloth I, I think he did a video last year on instagram oh yeah uh, throughout the whole process and i've always wondered what exactly that what the benefits of that are if it's a flavor if it's to keep the juices in see i brine i'm a briner yeah matter of fact that'll happen probably thursday no, we're gonna, we don't we don't have to cook till Saturday. Oh, okay. For a turkey okay. at least. Okay. Okay. I know we're gonna fry. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, be sure it's thought out. Of course. Have you seen some of those videos when it's not? Uh, yes. You'll burn Canute down. Yes. Yeah. I liked your uh, wife's message on Facebook. She does it every year. Yeah. <laughs> she normally has a little meme that it tells you how many days for how many how big your turkey pound, is yeah. or whatever. But anyhow, uh, we're yeah. gonna have a. I have a feeling tomorrow and Wednesday we're gonna be talking a lot of prepping for Thanksgiving. I had that question because I want to ask everybody out there as well. What is your perfect Thanksgiving plate? Yeah. The first time through, because here's the thing. We've always, uh, for me, on, on my mom's side, it's always been a huge family, right? Mm-hmm. And so th- there's so much sidewise mm-hmm. that it's hard to get it all. Sure. I mean, in this. You He's Jim was talking about white bread gets bought this time of year. You know what we buy this time of year? The really sturdy paper plates that are kind of oval, the big oval ones, almost like bowls. It seems it's like like, yeah, yeah, it won't so you won't leak through with some of that stuff. Yep, but it's it's a huge plate. But even then, you can't get all the all the sides on there that you want. So that'll be a question we'll have throughout the week. What is your your perfect? Thanksgiving plate. Very good. Yes. I'm All right. forward to it. That'll do it from here at Sayre National. Come on by tonight. Monday Night Football. It's going to be a fun one, uh, having that game out in uh, at Mexico City between the Niners and the Cardinals. Big TVs, lots of fun right here. Your Christmas party, get it booked at the back room as well. Plenty of room uh, for, a, for a Christmas party. Everything right here. And, of course, this afternoon, come on out golf man it's gonna be nice enough to get some golf in as well thank you to everybody here at sayer thanks to jim we're out of here we'll be back tomorrow skinny on sports right here on 98.1 fm the sports Channel. you've been listening to the skinny on sports podcast with aaron cow be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available thanks for listening that ball is blistered to right way Christmas parties can be so much fun if you have them at the right place. Where's your company Christmas party this year? Or your family Christmas party for that matter? It ought to be at the same place where folks have been having birthday parties, weddings, baby showers, even Thanksgiving dinner. 
at the banquet room at the Sayre Golf Course. It's a really nice facility, and it's reasonably priced. If you need a nice place for a nice event, use the Sayre Golf Course Banquet Room. Four. Now to the actual golf part of the Sayre Golf Course. There's still time to get nine or 18 holes in. The question is, can you actually find the fairway? Swinging away and just hoping for the best leads to triple-digit scores. If you want to test your ability to make golf shots, come over to Sayre. The layout of this course requires precision. Do you have that club, that secret weapon in your bag? It's technically called the Sayre Golf Course. Locals just call it Sayre National. It's in the city park on the south side of town.